For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. It's Thursday, September 7th on the Sleepers podcast. The Detroit Lions play the Kansas City Chiefs. The opening night, Thursday night football game kicking off the season. We're in game mode. There's a nervous energy in the air. There's an exciting energy in the air. And I keep effing every single thing up in my life. This morning, I dropped my daughter off. I forgot to give the backpack with all her stuff in it to my parents who are watching her today. She got home. We're running late. I'm all over the place. So you know what we're doing, folks? We're doing a Carter Elliott takeover today. The first day of the Detroit Lions, the first ever Carter Elliott takeover of the Sleepers podcast. And honestly, everyone listening to this should be terrified of what's about to happen for the next 53 minutes. Yeah, you should be absolutely terrified. But before we do that, you know, as much as we are love to Get excited, get on this episode, talk about whatever we're going to talk about, whatever the topics may be. Excited for the Lions game day. Our guy, four, he still isn't free, G. And I'm not taking any off days today. And I just, I have here a pastry, a four pastry in honor of my guy. And I, I cut this myself, actually. You that actually just have a wondering. pastry? I have, a, I have a four birthday cake pastry that just fell apart. But in honor of my guy, I'm going to eat this pastry. Free my man at free four. That's what I'm talking about, G. Don't just don't just scream it when it's convenient. Not on a Carter Elliott takeover. I would never do that, my friend. Let's never. jump right into things because we uh we have a hard stop. We have 53 minutes. Thank God. Honestly, I'm glad we're setting an end time to this because if this was just a Carter Elliott takeover that could go for four hours, we might never leave this show. Just call me how's, fat. No, how's that pastry though? It's pretty nice. It's it's good. It's a it's a fiber one bar. You ever heard of those? No, I've not. They're they're like good for you, but they they try to trick you that it's a pastry. It's not. I'd much rather have a real pastry. I am constantly operating in a state of fiber deficiency. By the way, that's the thing just, about me. Just nutrient deficiency. If we really want to get down into it, I mean, who's to say? Let's go straight to comments. Do you have a Carter Elliott YouTube comment of the day? I do have one. Matter of fact, excuse me. <clears throat> Okay, this one comes from Austin Berserker 1807. I don't think that's his I, name, but don't read his actual name. Oh, oh, yeah, sorry. This comes from Berserker. You really got to change that, too. That's bad, by the way. Um, I might ban you from read, picking your comment if you're going to keep having that YouTube name. I'm sorry. Um, I don't understand the Michigan State love this year. I have a fun game for you. Take this year's Michigan State team and put them all on 2005 Illinois national runner-up team. Then pick a lineup. Not one Michigan State player would be in the starting lineup. If you don't like that comparison, try putting this year's Michigan State team together with any of Izzo's past Final Four teams and pick a starting lineup. At most, two players from this team start on any of those teams, and in most cases, only one or none. How many different ways can we say that Michigan State is overrated? Can I go first or are you going to jump right in? <laughs> no, please. So I, I'm sick. I didn't think of this, to be honest. I love the Illinois game because he's right. There is no one on Michigan State that would start 
uh, in 2005 Illinois. Uh, the funny thing is Joey Hauser would have, and Joey Hauser's gone, but just <laughs> another point for Joseph Jamal. In fact, he would have been perfect in the Roger Powell role. Um, the I, I might push back on the former Michigan State team thing because like we've seen not great Michigan State teams make Final Fours. That's part of the power of Izzo and the power of this program in general. Um, like the Travis Trice team that made a Final Four. Tyson Walker starts on that team wholeheartedly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably one of the other guards does too, either AJ or Jaden Akins. Like you're probably picking two of the three guards minimum to start on almost every Michigan State team. Even going back like the Kalen Lucas, Darrell Summers era, I think Tyson starts and I think one of the other guards might too. Kalen's really good, but like you can slide Darrell Summers down to make room for talented guards. You're right though. Nobody in this Michigan State front court starts on any good Michigan State team ever, even ones that didn't make the final four. So this question for me, it's, it's, it's true in a sense, I guess you could say, um, because like you said, maybe only one or two guys make it on that starting lineup of the, of those final four teams. Maybe, you know, obviously you'd have to go back and really dive into it, but that doesn't mean any, I don't think there's any correlation to this Michigan state team being good. If, if that makes any sense, it's, it's a totally different year, totally different landscape of basketball. I mean, lesser teams also lesser talented teams have also made the final four that's kind of part of college basketball in general um but when you put this michigan state team just on paper against other teams across the country they're one of the best teams in the country i don't think you can argue that you got to put them up there so we're we're saying the sport is cooked so michigan state it's not cooked it's not cooked necessarily but like these final four teams that Izzo you know has had it's mm, I'm trying to think how I want to put this. Um, some of it is the teams are like really good as far as, um, you know, uh, in the regular season. Um, but there's also been some cases where they've made some runs as far as getting hot towards the end. But I think just putting this year in a bubble and putting this year, just looking at this year through a lens, you can't say that Michigan state isn't a top 10 team in the country, which I mean, that's what they're ranked preseason. I mean, they get everybody back. Uh, obviously, Greg's going to point out the fact that this is a getting buddy, they're getting people back from teams that lost 13 games. I know that. Thank you. You've instilled that in me. With that said, it's true. It, it, you just can't really correlate it to past Final Four teams. Yeah, I, you don't necessarily have to be good anymore to be good. You just have to be old to be good. You, Michigan, you, yeah, Michigan it's a, it's a whole different landscape of college basketball. If you take San Diego State's team from the Final Four last year, I'm taking everybody on Michigan State's roster over San Diego State's. So you didn't say the one thing, though, that I would push back on in comparing Michigan State to past good teams anywhere at Michigan State or outside Michigan State. What makes this Michigan State team exciting on paper is not their best five. It's the depth. This team is the deepest team in the country. And I think if you played the game with 2005 Illinois of how many guys on Illinois bench would play in Michigan State's bench, the answer is probably zero. And you can go through a lot of really good teams. Michigan State has like 11 players that all warrant sixth man or better roles on a good team. And this team should be loaded in that sense. They're not there isn't going to be an empty minute from anyone on this roster except for maybe the backup centers and unless Trey Holloman is somehow playing minutes he shouldn't be playing. But my pushback on why I'm still skeptical of Michigan State compared to the 
elite teams on paper this season is because at the end of the day, when you're in a tie game with a minute left, it doesn't matter how deep you are. It matters how good the five players on the floor are. And mm-hmm. the truth is we don't know how much of a jump Michigan State's best five has because last year with a better player at the four, like we know how important Joey Hauser was. This was the same team, but with Joey Hauser at the four with who will be on the floor in crunch time this year. And that team wasn't a top 20 team in the country ever. Even when they were playing well in the NCAA tournament, they weren't a top 20 team in the country. So there's a jump that needs to be made. It needs to come from AJ Hogard. It needs to come from Jay Nakins. It needs to come from whoever's playing the four and whoever's playing the five. And I believe those guys can do it. Um, but bottom line is that it's a fair comment because this team is being talked about like they're a consensus no-brainer fourth most talented team in the country when I don't know that they are when you're just talking about the five guys that are on the floor at any given time. Can't wait to roll out that ball, though. This is true. Uh, can I address clickbait gate? Uh, yes, you can. So we got a, I like talking about comments that hate on us because I'm a petty asshole. And uh, a lot of the YouTube comments yesterday across the four videos we put out were all pretty negative. The loudest of which being the Illinois uh, player that I used in the thumbnail for the Big Ten's most slept on players video. Spoiler alert, if you haven't watched yesterday's episode or the video, there is not an Illinois player that gets uh, chosen in our three lists or our two lists of three of most slept on players. I used a picture of sincere Harris and blurred out his face on the thumbnail. Couple things fair to criticize me for clickbaiting, but if you were in my role here, your goal would be what my goal is, which is to take the largest base of our audience, which thus far has proven to be Illinois fans and make them interested in watching videos that aren't just about Illinois. That is the goal. So you can call it clickbaiting if you want, but my intention would be for an Illinois fan to watch that video and maybe they click it because they see orange on the thumbnail. Yes. But to watch that video and then realize they enjoyed the video, even though it's not about Illinois. Do I realize that maybe I'm turning some people off by putting Illinois in thumbnails that aren't about Illinois? Now I am aware of that. I will try to be better about that. Criticism heard. We welcome constructive criticism on this program. But uh, look, call it clickbait if you want. It's part of the job. You got to try and get your largest audience to click and watch your videos. My intent was for you to still enjoy that video. I'm sorry that you didn't, but is what it is. We also did get a nice comment uh, from a shout out from 3Twan Moore on Twitter, one of my favorite Twitter accounts, saying he loves sleepers, Cart. I appreciate that. You know, it's it's always good to get those comments after sifting through the comments that are telling me to get a new mic and that I don't know ball and that I should go jump off cliffs. It, it's it's the one that keeps me going. Do you have any comments on clickbait gate? No, because what like what are they going to do about it besides comment and complain? Are you aren't you pro clickbait? <laughs> no, I see. I don't really understand that stuff like you do. You know how to get the pe- you know how to get the people going. I necessarily don't know how to get the people going. That's kind of true. I would say you you get <laughs> you get me going. <laughs> you, you could have kept that way to yourself. I mean, so far you to do yourself. get me going. Like, when, uh, and then you repeat it. I mean, like, when have we ever been in a spot together and you haven't gotten me going? <laughs> you know, it's has true. there been times when I've angered you and? Fired you up? Yes. 
but also just excitement. Like I'm out here yeah. to like, I'm out here to power hour with you because we have 30 minutes to kill in a new Orleans hotel room. That's true. I do. I have infectious energy. Is that the word? Yeah. You get people going. I get, I get the people going. Yeah. Okay. Let's go back to the Carter Elliott takeover. Uh, can we do discord comments? Are you going to allow us to do discord comments today? Yes. Okay. Lovely. <laughs> uh, Ulamog clips all the moments still on the YouTube. Ulamog is doing the Lord's work. He also is in the discord and says, just like how the unofficial tennis channel is within hashtag betting. Today's tennis segment is in one big thing. We have really like, Betting is supposed to be for all betting. We pretty much just talk about tennis right now. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've been pretty locked in on the U.S. Open. In my defense, I've won 13 straight U.S. Open bets going back to Monday evening. What do you it's want a, from me? It's been a special <laughs> run, folks. And it's I've been along for the ride. It's It's been wild. Fam uh, says he won't stand for the Ben Shelton slander. He's the best prospect we've had since Roddick. If he improves return game slash rally tolerance, I don't think he can win a major, but I expect him to also needs a coach, but those are all easy fixes. Is he the best prospect since Roddick though? We know we love fam. Uh, haven't we had a lot of best prospects since Roddick and they're all just big serve guys who don't do anything else. I don't know if I can answer that comment. Cause is that actually a thing? Like, is there a, the next Zion type thing in, in the tennis world? Yeah, for sure. At least with American players, it's always like this is the next guy. And it's almost always just a dude who has a nasty serve and really not anything like John Isner. I don't think people were ever like John Isner is going to take over the tennis world, but he had the best serve on tour for like 10 years and he never did anything with it because he has nothing else to his game. Is Roddick the best American player of all time? Probably, yeah. Is Andre Agassi um, not American? Um, In my head, he's not. <laughs> I don't know. Let me look real quick. I know the last name sounds Italian, but so I thought I man. thought he was American. No, Pete Sampras was American. He's better than Roddick. Okay. Like, but can't I, I don't know. You we have to, unfortunately, as Americans, we have to latch on to somebody. That's oh, just yeah. what we And- do. Andre Agassi is American. Had no idea. That's a shocker. Andre Agassi. I just put you in a tennis locker. I just stuffed you in one, by the way. You have me in a tennis tizzy. Uh, Novak is going to destroy Ben Shelton. I want to make that extremely clear. I'll send some plays to the betting channel, but uh, I've never been more confident in anything, really. I mean, have we even seen a competitive match in like four days of the U.S. Open? Everything's been 3-0. Everything. The three I put in the parlay uh, yesterday didn't lose a set yesterday. <laughs> Medvedev, no, not, was it Medvedev? Was it Medvedev or Zarev? Their last match, I think it actually went four or five. You're loving Daniel right now, though. I do love Daniel. I greatly enjoyed Daniel uh, <laughs> having the whole heat meltdown. Like, first of all, he's playing his child's godfather. Zverev, who like good friend or Rublev, sorry, I always get the Evs confused. He's playing Rublev, who's his child's godfather and uh, like lifelong friends, etc. Just destroying him, like absolutely d- just letting this dude break him and then just stealing it right back. He's won the first two sets. He's manhandling Rublev, looks at the camera, <laughs> breaks the fourth wall or whatever it's called and just straight up says someone's going to die in the middle of a dominant 3-0 performance, straight sets. Someone's going to die, and you're going to watch. That's why I love Daniel, man. He's the best. 
Yeah, no, he's great. I, I I feel so confident having him in my top five favorites. And it was just also classic, the whole thing, that whole Godfather thing. They had the whole story about how, you know, he was a Godfather. Then you switch to him and this guy's literally just trying to murder his daughter's Godfather in 4K. Yeah, he's a maniac. He also highly recommend listening to the post-game press conference from Daniel. Honestly, tennis press conferences in general are electric compared to other sports. I don't know what it is, but tennis players just seem to have no filter. Like they're totally comfortable saying whatever they feel. And Daniel hit the press conference and spent like 10 of his 15 minutes literally talking about how it's unfair to make players play in heat. And like he at some point, someone's actually going to die. Um, but then they asked him about Carlos because that's who he plays in the semis. And he was just like, yeah, I mean, 97% of players on tour like just can't hit the ball by me. I'm too good. Carlos can just hit it by me whenever he wants. He has every single shot. I have to hit lines to even have a chance against him. <laughs> like, wow. Okay. Uh, Quick, and you don't have to go off on a tangent about it. Is is there like some unwritten rule type? Why don't they just close the stadium? Uh, I don't know. I was wondering about the air filtration at Arthur Ashe, to be honest. I mean, I, I don't know. They strike me as a place that would have AC. Just close the stadium. and Because that, that heat's different. The humidity is like 60% and it's 90 outside. Yeah. I won't even agree to go play tennis with my ex-coworker I play tennis with anything above 75. Won't do it. So <laughs> respect to these guys for battling it out. Uh, okay, moving on. Great tennis talk as always. Sorry, I don't like Ben Shelton fam, but come on. Are we really acting like this is cool? Really? Come on. You beat Francis Tiafo. Wow. Um, eh, we have a lot more Ben Shelton talk in this. I'm going to scroll through all of that. Get to the actual comments. Uh, Koi in comments about your comments about your parents yesterday says, my dad made me catch and throw with my non-dominant hand as a toddler. I love that energy. And that's why and that's why Coy is an athletic specimen. Fam's response made me laugh. He said, damn, maybe I got to check my parents now. Was the plan always to have me work an analytics desk job at 30? If so, why? Me at 2023 Thanksgiving dinner. Expect uh, greatness. Coy has a Nick Bosa comment, and I already know what you're going to say in response to this. But he says, curious if the Nick Bosa contract can be discussed some. Does it make sense to eat up a ton of cap space on any single defensive player? Your thoughts, Cart? Uh, it's a lot to put in one defensive player. It really is. Um, I'm an advocate as far as uh, just NFL in general. You can't pay paying that type of money for a non quarterback, no matter how dominant the player is like having that much guaranteed money wrapped up in a defensive lineman, just the principle of that just doesn't work for me. And I don't think it works for the rest of the team, how it goes. Um, so to keep it on a serious note with this, I think it's a wild thing, even though Nick Bosa is a really good football player, to have 122 million tied up in a defensive end. That's just that's insane to me. But with that said, you know, I, I don't know what Trump's bail is going to be or how much that campaign is going to cost come 2020, 2026 or whatever it is. But it just got a huge boost because their main donor just got a big old bag. I just can't believe it took you 30 seconds to get to that point in your comment i knew it was coming uh keith johnson says hands down amazing takes from greg last episode you know what keith we need more of this okay <laughs> we, we, we need a little more spotlight on that he said the garrick norman take is particularly fire uh he has multiple first-hand accounts from moneyball that garrick was the only one constantly week after week giving 100 percent. my gut is he is a true dog and is going to fill some of the missing joey hauser jumpers 
that I, I bounce back or I, I push back on that. Unfortunately, I don't know where the minutes come for him this year. But I, like you stated yesterday, the prospects of him as as a player and moving forward in the future, like he's going to leave his mark in East Lansing. He's going to have his moment. Is there a world where like, I mean, I guess not, but is there a world where like they aren't playing three guards 30 minutes each? Or like, couldn't couldn't a lot of Aiken's minutes actually come at the one and the two and free up some space for like the freshman at the three and the four? Yeah, but then wouldn't you be cutting in the fears minutes? In a way, I guess in my head we should do like a Michigan State rotation breakdown at some point. But in my head, you scratch out Trey Holloman and make sure he's getting zero minutes. You get AJ his twenty five. You get Tyson his thirty. You get Jaden 25. Now we're going on. That's 80 minutes across the one and two. There's your two positions. Maybe Aikens plays half of his time at the three. So you give 20 to Fierce at the two. Boom. Done. Now you still got 20 minutes to work with at the three. Slide in there, Garrick. I want to see it, my friend. And then let Booker and Carr manhandle Malik Hall for all the minutes at the four. And that's a happy rotation for me. I'm, I'm, I kind of like that rotation. You can yeah. come with that on the spot. That was on the spot. I'm not going to lie. Pretty, that was pretty damn good. <laughs> pretty smooth. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I'll slide in Steven Izzo's DMs and see if I can elevate that a little bit. Travis Nelson says he's been on the Texas bandwagon way too much lately. He picked them to win it all in 2021, LOL, and 2023 brackets a lot better. He also had them as his natty pick at the beginning of the 2022 season in Beard's first year. He has a problem. It's it's something about Texas, man. And to, to quote the great Ty, the Tyrese, every time you try to leave, something just keeps pulling me back, me back. I just can't, I can't get out of it. The script, the script on the burnt orange jerseys, the talent is there, but it's different this year. And I know I sound like the Texas, the guy who picks Texas every year, but this backcourt is legit. You know, we talk about best backcourts in the country. I don't know if we ever brought up Texas. Like Aismas and Tyrese Hunter is one of the best backcourts in the country. I mean, I don't think it gets talked about enough. And it's a type of backcourt that I think fits better together than Marcus Carr and Tyrese Hunter. And I really think that they can make a run in March too with that with that guard play. I, I truly do. Yeah, I uh I was a little bummed watching Ron Holland though, because imagining him on this team would have been insane. Yeah. Um, or even AJ Johnson. Yeah, but they're they're gonna be good. I mean, I again, they need to like embrace like all black jerseys or something. Something about the burnt orange just rubs me the wrong way, man. It really does. Or like get a neon orange going. I don't know. Call it McConaughey. He's got. Is it. there such thing as a neon orange? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Syracuse behind me. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. I guess that would be neon orange. Tristan from Busting Brackets says, if you had to include an out of nowhere team in your final four picks, like an FAU or a Loyola. Who would your picks be? I actually used that as a topic today. Oh, fun. I like it. Okay. Uh, then we'll save that for later in the episode of the Carter Elliott Takeover. Final comment of the day. Trevor Salee says, if there is one, who is this year's North Carolina team with huge expectations, parentheses, top five, that could end up on the outside looking in for the tournament? So I, I extend this a top 10. And I don't think it'll be outside looking in on the tournament necessarily, but I don't think Gonzaga is going to be as good as people think. I think there's a lot of question marks with that team. I don't know if Nolan Hickman can get it done in the backcourt. I like the addition of Nebharb. 
Graham EK still coming off an injury and still did it at Wyoming. I gotta I, I don't know if it's necessarily gonna translate to in the Mountain West with Gonzaga. Um I'm sorry, not the Mountain West, the WCC. Uh I just think there's a there's a lot more question marks with this Gonzaga team and like talent wise, not as talented, I think, as previous teams. Okay. And right, and right now I think they're preseason like six. That that seems very high. Yeah, I my response to this question was going to be who's fifth because I, I feel like there's a consensus top four. I flirted with maybe Kentucky should be fifth when Big Z was involved. We don't know if he's involved anymore. So um, I don't think any of the top four are actual threats to miss the tournament, though, because I think if there is two of the top, quote unquote, elite teams to be spec- skeptical of here, it's not Duke. They're too talented and too experienced. It's not Purdue because we know what Purdue is. It like you could make a case that Michigan State could just be the 13 loss team again. But even if that's their floor, that's a tournament team, right? Like the worst case scenario for Michigan State is what they were last year, but a seven seed. So they're not missing the tournament. It's Izzo. Uh, Kansas, same thing. Like I would love to argue, could this team totally bottom out and do Hunter Dickinson again? Maybe, but Bill Self's their coach. He's not missing the tournament. So I think, uh, I, I don't think there is one that could miss the tournament. But if you had to pick one, it's whoever the fifth team is. Like, are we putting Marquette at five? Maybe they collapse somehow. Who's their coach? I mean, yeah, we, we talk about that on a, on a daily basis. But I will say this, uh, just to wrap this this topic up. As much as Michigan State does have veteran play and you're naming like those top four teams, the volatility, I think, on Michigan State's team is higher than the other teams, just as far as personalities on the team. Isn't that just AJ, though? I, I don't think it's just AJ. I think it's other players as well. What what other players have volatile personalities? I don't want to speak on it necessarily. I don't, I'm not saying they have volatile personalities, but things could go south. And if things go south with a point guard where his – if a point guard is volatile – or it's not – sorry, not volatile. If he has the possibility to be, I think it can seep into the rest of the team. Mm. Yeah, I thought that at the end of last year, though, and then they made a Sweet 16 out of nowhere. So would have made an Elite Eight if he didn't fall asleep on a baseline backdoor. Um, but – and honestly, if they make the Elite Eight, they probably make the national title game because you're not losing to Florida Atlantic and then you're not losing to San Diego State. That Florida Atlantic was good. Ah. Ah. Is that? Yeah. I still don't, I don't know how Kansas State lost to him, to be honest. They are like, yeah, they're good basketball players. They're not better than Michigan State was last year, in my opinion. But okay. Um, look, as long as we make sure AJ has a lot of good wieners, he'll be all right. That's a good wiener. Moving on. That was the final comment of the day. Thank you to the Discord. You can join the Discord with the link in the description of every video on our YouTube channel. It's also in the link of our Apple and Spotify podcasts, I believe. Another flurry of uh, of people that joined. In fact, I think I saw... Did we see Joe? Joe yeah, Jackson we, got Joe, we got Joe Jackson, the man, the myth. Huge fan of his, both on the podcast and also in the Discord. Like We frequently just like send his tweets in there, like, yeah. this dude's the best. So I'm kind of excited to see his name in there. Uh, we're approaching 40. I think we might have crossed 40 people. When we get to 50, Carter said he'll eat 50 Kodiak cakes. Yeah, I, I will do something, actually. 
Uh, but I can't even I can't eat 50 Kodiak cakes, but I'll find out something. We'll take suggestions in the discord. There we go. OK, to Carter Elliott's topics for the day. What do you got? OK, since we were on the topic of college basketball, I just want to do the smooth transition to Tristan's comment. And Tristan's was what team could be like that Cinderella type team as far as making a run in the tournament? He mentioned FAU and Loyola. I don't necessarily want you to kind of keep this to just like non-power five teams or non-power conference teams. I'm thinking teams outside the top 25 that could find themselves with a run in March. So, you know, look at the two early top 25. Do you have a team in mind that is currently not in the top 25 that could make a run in March? My flip to you is, do we have a consensus to early top 25 that we trust? I've been using ESPN one. Okay. Let me click into that. I have two teams that immediately came to mind, but in honesty they are probably fringe top 25 teams so let me make sure they're not in here I'm scrolling. so when i originally did this exercise i picked one team figured out that that team was like 23rd in the tour to early top 25 so i might honorable mention them and then i had one other team that i don't know if they are fringe top 25 they're probably like a team in the 30 to 40 range okay so i have uh can I say my first one that is in the top 25? So I can't name them, but it was going to be my answer. Yes. Miami was going to be my answer. I didn't know that this was a top 25 team. I've seen a lot of other alternate versions of ESPN's top 25 that have not included this team. This team was in the final four last year. They've made tournament runs a couple of years running. Like they've won more games than they should. Uh, and they got Nigel Pack back. And I think that's huge. Like they also got Norchad back. Like these dudes, I just watched them. I was there. I saw it with my eyes. These guys were just in the final four and it was kind of a game with UConn for at least the beginning of that game. Uh, I know they lost a lot. Like I know Jordan Miller and Isaiah Wong are obviously hugely important, but like Nigel Norchad, Wuga Poplar and adding Matthew Cleveland, like ripping him from an in-state rival. That's a squad, man. Like that's, that's a squad. I, I expect to compete in the ACC and uh, our, our friend, friend of the show, T.O., has been doing his like ACC top five various superlatives. And I've been helping him edit the videos. And uh, one of them was like top five freshmen. Kaishan George is a Miami yeah, I, freshman who people should know about. Yeah, I saw that video from T.O. actually. And that actually had me going onto YouTube and doing a little deep dive myself. Where, I don't, why is he not being talked about? I think they just ripped him from overseas and nobody like knew about him, but I mean, he was like productive in a good league overseas and doing shit like off the dribble. Yeah. Fun. Like I I'm now in on Nigel pack, Kaishan George, Matthew Cleveland and Norchad. Like that's and, un, and underrated of that is that we love a good K name. We, like we love Keontae George. We can just transition to Kaishan George. I love or any, Kaishan George. I love anything Sean. Blank Sean. Like if I can get a blank Sean, like a no Sean, I love a no Sean, a Ty Sean, a Kai Sean, any anything Sean, I'm in on. You a big uh, Ty Sean Taylor guy? I like the name Ty Sean a lot. And also I love the memory of Ty Sean losing to Michigan. Um <laughs> a great moment for me in my life. Uh <laughs> okay, but they don't count because your question was outside the top 25, and they're 18th in ESPN's top 25. So I have two outside of the top 25 that come to mind uh first first one is auburn we've talked about auburn i'll just be brief on it but uh i don't know why they're not in the top 25 i think they should be i think they're underrated i think aiden holloway is going to be a household name lottery pick one and done type super talented guard 
and they bring back the front court guys. Like they bring back pretty much everybody important from last year's team, except for Wendell green. And last year's team was fringe top 25. They weren't great by any means, but they were a good basketball team. So I think you remove the craziness of Wendell and replace it with just supreme lottery pick talent. I like that on paper. And, uh, I like Bruce Pearl when no one's talking about Bruce Pearl too. I like that pick. Uh, there's going to be dangerous amounts of money placed on Auburn basketball this year. And I think there'll be some good value to start the season. Yeah, for sure. I have one final one and then can I throw to you, but it's my final one. Yeah, please. Okay. So, uh, people are already mad watching this. I know it. Like I've, I've fired out. There's probably like 75 people watching this who are just like, damn it. He did it again. What a loser. He did it again. Clickbait gate. It's not clickbait gate. Illinois belongs on this list. Illinois belongs on this list legitimately. And hell yes, I used an Illinois player in the thumbnail because now I'm talking about how Illinois can make a final four this year. I've said it on other episodes, Cart. One of these years, they're just going to get a good draw. They are more than due. And that's not bullshit. Like the NCAA tournament so often comes down to draw. It just is what it is. There's a reason last year you and I circled Michigan State immediately and we're like this team can actually make a run because we weren't afraid of Shaka Smart in the round of 32 like there's a reason why Michigan with Muhammad Ali Abdur Rahman at shooting guard made a national title like they didn't play anybody good in that run and people downplay that as an important element of this so much like when you look back on the years of performance in March so much of it comes down to did you get lucky with who you got to play mm-hmm. and Uh, I think Illinois has been abundantly unlucky. And I know that's a really easy way to just assign all of the issues with Brad's performance in March, but it's true. Like any draw they've gotten, they've played a team that was way outperforming their seed line based on all the advanced analytics. So one of these years, that's just not going to happen. Like they deserve the karma of getting teams that are like 30 spots worse than their seed line for once, or getting some teams that upset better teams along the way. And I know it's dumb to pick a team's going to make a run in March because that's going to happen. They might just get screwed with their draw again. But here's the thing about Illinois roster that I realized when we were doing the slept on players video earlier this week, every player on the Illinois roster is too good to qualify for that. <laughs> like mm-hmm. we talk See, about, I was, was going to follow that up with, I think we missed Justin Harmon as slept on. I don't even think we can count him as slept on. Cause like, he might start for them. Like I, that's the thing for, for Illinois. We talk about how deep Michigan state is. There isn't a player on the Illinois roster other than AJ red that I think is not a starting caliber guy. Like their 12th guy could start for this team. And I wouldn't be surprised at all. Like Amani Hansberry won't start because Dane Ainge is there and he's a freshman, but he would be fine if he needed to start. So they're going to have to pick five. And I've talked about what that means for locker room chemistry stuff. But like at the end of the day, man, this is one of the deepest teams I've ever seen in the Big Ten. And it's one of, I, I I think it's the deepest team Brad Underwood has assembled. And he needs to hit on the stars. But after last year's issue with the quote unquote superstars that didn't work out, maybe it's better that they just do it like by committee. And they've got 12 good ass players that are tough. And if they can keep everybody happy, I like this. I like that Brad is going under the radar. Nobody's talking about him as a ranked team. Nobody's talking about him as a Big Ten contender. Nobody's talking about him in March because you know to write off Illinois in March. Let me let me buy low on Illinois. I'm in. All right. Well, I loved all your picks, by the way. Um, 
I also, so I'm going to say my two teams. I'm going to say the first team that I wanted to pick, but figured out they're in the top 25. They're at 23. St. Mary's Gales. Okay. I'm, yes, hear me out, G, because I'm not, I'm I, you know, I'm not a big advocate of, I don't know, teams outside of Gonzaga and the, and the West Coast Conference. But this team is old, for one. This team is old. This team is well-coached. And Aiden Mahaney is one of the best guards in the country. And he was really, really good last year as a freshman. I think good enough to make the jump to the NBA. And he came back. And he's going to be really good this year. And I think that he alone, surrounded by a bunch of guys who know he's the guy. I know they lost Johnson from last season. But this is a team of old guys who play a certain system and are talented as well. And they got a four-star guard coming in who I really like, Jordan Ross. Um I think that this team could do some things and it's just basically centered around Mahaney being that guy. And I think that he can do that. Now he's in the top 25. So obviously they're excluded from this exercise, but one of the teams that no one's being, no one's really talking about enough. I think, I think they're going to be really, really good. I will be having a future on them winning the West coast conference this season. I think, I they, like I think they win it. Um, but the team I'm going to go with, I'm going to stick in the big 10. I, I think it's Maryland. I truly oh. think it's Maryland. I think Maryland can make the run. Once again, a, a team that, you know, the draw is so important. It really is. You spoke to Illinois and what they had to do. Literally, their draw last year, and this was before the draws are even bad the years before that, they run into Eric Musselman and the Arkansas Razor. I'm sorry. Yeah, Eric Musselman and the, and the Arkansas Razorbacks. If they win that game, they run into Bill Self and the Kansas Jayhawks. Like it's that that's just that's tough. That's a murderer's row. That's really tough. Arkansas was way better than the nine C that they were, the AC that they were. They yeah. just had injuries during the season, but that team was a lot better than people gave them credit for. And go further back too. I'm sorry, but like the year before they got Houston as a four or a five seed, Houston was the top five team in the country that year. Yeah. It's and- just it's a tough break. <laughs> And the year before, I again, now I'm going back, Loyola. Should you have beaten Loyola? Yeah. Was Loyola an eight seed? No. They were like a top 15 team in the country. So I'm, they deserve some karma, man. So, just, so Maryland. Just, justice for Champagne, Jesus, man. But, no, I'm going with Maryland. I think that Jameer Young is going to be one of the best point guards in the Big Ten, maybe even have a conversation for one of the best point guards in the country. Uh, there's a world where we get to the end of the season and Jameer Young is the best point guard in the Big Ten. He has that ability. Um, and he can beat those other guys that we talk about in the Big Ten. Deshaun Harris-Smith is a pro. Uh, what he does can truly unlock this ceiling. If he's a pro, if he's a bona fide first-round draft pick and playing like one the whole year, that backcourt is extremely tough. Is he a pro uh, or a pro's pro? I th- is A pro's pro is a, a negative connotation, isn't it? I don't know. I'm just saying, is he a pro or is he a pro's pro? He's a pro. Okay. He's an, NBA, he's an NBA player. I'm in then. Okay. And then you you and then you couple that with I think it's addition by subtraction with Akeem Hart. Uh what you say what? <laughs> Continue. I'm sorry. Continue. Sorry. I think it's addition by subtraction with Akeem Hart because you can put a guy like Jamie Kaiser in. I think it's a little more dynamic than Akeem. Okay. Uh and I I truly think that Akeem kind of ran his course at Maryland too. Like there was no other step for him necessarily. And he just wanted to get out and have a change of scenery. That's fine. I think it improves the team a little bit. Dante Scott, it's finally going to put it together. He really not even put it together. He's just not going to get worse from the previous season. That's not going to happen. That's been the trend. 
And then if Julian Reese can stop fouling, he's one of the better low post players in the Big Ten as well. So I like this Maryland team. I love this Maryland team too, but I'm just, as you go point by point on why they can make a final four, I'm realizing that I'm out on this Maryland team. If, if Julia Reese can stop fouling, he never can stop fouling. If Dante Scott can just not get worse for the first time in three years. Okay. like Sure. That's not a good thing to say about it. I don't, I, I wasn't supposed to talk you out of it. I, uh, I want to buy them. I do like them on paper. I think they're top five, top four or five in the big 10. Um, I, the Hakeem Hart thing's interesting because I have definitely said repeatedly, I don't think that's going to hurt them. And I don't get why people are acting like Hakeem Hart's this like needle moving piece. He's just a guy, but he is a good player guy. I just was laughing. I've never heard it actually put as it's addition by subtraction. Like was Hakeem Hart, like a, a toxic guy. <laughs> Not necessarily, but I think that Jamie Kaiser brings some things that Hakeem Hart didn't. Okay. I like that spin for sure. Yeah, I guess addition by subtraction was a little bit, a little harsh. You say that about a guy who's bad. I just, I view that term as something that like, it's, it's a guy who was in a role he didn't deserve or something. And Hakeem was just like a role player. Good role player. Nothing wrong with like Michigan State's losing Joey Hauser. That's not addition by subtraction. Maybe it's addition by subtraction for the fact that Hakeem Hart probably wanted to be the best player on that team. And he wouldn't accept being the third option, which he should be. Honestly, if if I was a college basketball coach i would not want anyone on my team who wants to play for kyle neptune that should be a huge red flag so they dodged that bullet all right i like your picks i like all our picks actually yeah i really like yours i'm in on miami too we can we can be in on them too okay i'm I'm willing kansas state was also outside the top 25 i thought about them but i i don't trust kaluma enough as a centerpiece like, I don't think he can be Keontae Johnson. I think you're going to have a moment this season where you have your change team. I'm back in on that player. Like Courtney Ramey leaving Texas. You're right. It's it's going to happen with Kaluma. You're right. I also, I fear for what the new song is for Kansas State, too. Like, I think they had the magical little baby thing. Like, they can't replicate that. And they're going to try to replicate that. And I'm I'm fearful for what that looks like in year two. Yeah. We're going to have to see what happens. And that stuff always looks good when you're winning. When you're losing, get, get get prepared to get cooked. Sophomore albums are always worse than debuts. Okay, to topic number two of Carter Elliott's takeover. That might have to be a topic one day about sophomore albums being flops, because I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, I wanted to end with the Lions topic today. So before we get to that, I don't think we've done this yet. And because you let me take over, you can't tell me we can't do it. So if we did do it before, we're doing it again, and I don't care. I want you to pick your first team All-Americans for this season. Five players. Mm, like it. Uh, yeah, we have not done this yet. I like this a lot. Can you go first? Because I assume you have some names prepared. I'm getting yes. blindsided by this, and I have no names prepared. No, that's fine. Okay, I do. Um, so in the front court, and I obviously you can pick. I think you can do whatever you want with first team All-Americans. If it wants to be five guards, I think you actually are technically allowed to do that. Um, but here's where I'm going with this. So I got Edie and Klingon in my front court. I got both of them being first-team All-Americans. I think they're both going to be very productive. Um, I have Terrence Shannon at the three being a first-team All-American. I have – oh, shit, did I mess this up? I definitely did. I forgot. I, forgot. I got Max Asmus at my point guard being first-team All-American. And then, unfortunately – actually, you know what? Not unfortunately – I'm going to stand on it. Tyson Walker at the two. 
first team All American. Why'd you say unfortunately? Don't worry about it. Just let me rock. <laughs> Max Aismith, Tyson Walker, Terrence Shannon Jr., Klingon, Edie. Those are my first team All Americans. Okay. Not Tyrese Proctor. Okay. Where does uh, Hunter Dickinson fit into this? He'd probably be like my second team, third team, maybe. Okay. Okay. Um, I think I like that. Who's your player of the year? Is it Edie running away? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, I have four that I feel really good about, and I'm debating a fifth right now, and it's between two guys, and I'm getting nervous as I think about this. Um, did you consider Caleb Love, by the way? I was expecting to hear Caleb Love as like either a troll or an honest opinion by you. I, I actually did, and I think he would make one of like my three All-American teams. Wow. Okay. Oh man, I'm torn. I'm I'm fighting between point guards. I have a couple of different point guards on this. And uh you know what? I'm gonna go with my gut here. All right. I have my five. You ready for this? Let's hear it. Zach Eady, national player of the year. Okay. Donovan Klingon, runner up to national player of the year. Terrence Shannon, Illinois. I like Hold your on pick. now. I no like your clickbait. Pick. Put it, in th- put it in the thumbnail. This is also not clickbait. Uh yeah, I think the more we think about it and we think about Illinois though, like I don't think anybody else on Illinois is capable of taking Matthew Myers stuff. So it's all going to have to go to Terrence. And if you just like, like imagine doubling Terrence Shannon from last year, (laughs) that's kind of how I'm viewing this. Like he might put up crazy numbers. He might be like a 20, 27 and five guy. And that would be absurd. If Illinois makes the tournament, he's an all American. Uh, Here's where I think things get interesting and they differ for you. Cause I have two point guards next to those three guys and there were four names in contention. I'm going to name the two that didn't make my team first. Tyson Walker's not on my team. I think there's a chance AJ Hogard honestly ends up with the more awarded player on this team than Tyson. And maybe both of them are like second or third team All-American, but neither one is first. I also thought about Dewan Harris. I think if Kansas, Ooh. if Kansas is really good, it's because he's the best player on this team. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I think he could have 10 assists a game this year. If he scores 10 and 10, he's an All-American. But he is the guy that gets cut from me because these are my two All-Americans, Cart. Tyler Kolick is on the list. I feel gross about it, but I think he's going to have the numbers and Marquette's really good. And the most surprising one, Isaiah Collier is a first-team All-American for me. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to double down on okay. it. I'm not mad at that pick at all. He could, he's going to have the numbers, I think. I think we are going to see, at minimum, like a, a De'Aaron Fox impact year from Collier. And I don't know if Fox was first team All-American or not, but I think he's just going to be one of those like no-brainer, top five NBA draft pick, best freshman in the country. And uh, I think very quickly people are going to gravitate toward him. So the two that didn't make it were Tyson Walker and who's? Dewan Harris. Well. Mm. Give me Dewan Harris over Kolick, but I like that team. Yeah. I, that team. We're a little too harsh on Marquette. Somebody's got to just stabilize us with Who is? you and I. I don't think we're tough at all on them. I think we're a little tough on them. Whatever. Fun do, exercise. Thanks for that. Do something. So uh, what's our yeah. what's our consensus team then? Because we need to have like a sleepers consensus first team All-American. We have three of the same. So Edie, Klingon, Shannon. Our consensus, and we disagreed on the guards. 
Meet me here. Let's add in. Let's leave Acemas. Let's add in Collier. Acemas, Collier, Shannon, Klingon, Edie. Yeah. I'm in on that. Sleepers All-Americans. Book it. Book it. Okay. Love Look it. Us. Look at us. Love it. Moving on to our last topic here. Just a quick one. We, we're obligated to talk about it. It is Thursday. It's the first game of the season. The first NFL game of the season. The Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions' expectations are here. Um, it, this is probably the most anticipated game that I can remember in my Lions' lifetime just because – Obviously, we haven't had playoff games or anything like that or any big games with implications on the line in a really, really long time. And the fact that we get to go into Arrowhead on their ring night against, you know, arguably the greatest quarterback of all time and Patrick Mahomes down a couple weapons, maybe on both sides of the ball. Um, How are you feeling about this game? Because I'm feeling pretty confident and that scares me that I'm feeling confident. So I think it's a can't lose spot for Detroit. Obviously they can lose, but if they lose, I don't think they lose because you're playing the Super Bowl champs. You're playing Pat Mahomes in Arrowhead is what it is. Like, what are you going to do? Beat the best team in football and the best player in football on night one and, and the biggest night of the year. No, like probably not. If we do, I'm a little fearful for how, <laughs> how much excitement there's going to be. Like I, I'm going to be leading the train but I'm a little scared about what the hype could look like if they win. So in a weird way, I would almost be comforted by, okay, we're Oh, and one, we still got work to do. Yeah. I always do this thing and it's, it's good for me as a lions fan. Cause I've been a lifelong lions fan. The lions affect me in ways that are damaging to my mental health. I never let my hopes get up with this team. And if they get this win, the, the hype train is going to be off the charts. It's already hype trains already rolling. If they get this win, it's going to be to astronomical levels. And I don't know if I can take that because the letdown off of that and a failure of a season off of that would have would have me on the breaking point. With that said, I think the Lions win this game. <laughs> do you money have a Lions? Do you have a Lions money line ticket placed? Not yet, but I'm going to. Money line is definitely the play, to be clear. Like if you're looking for betting value. You're getting the hungry team that still feels they have shit to prove that every NFL expert actually believes is like a top six team in the NFL. That's fully healthy. That's fully healthy against the banged up team. That's probably still hung over from the Super Bowl. That's like, oh, we're playing the Lions. Who cares? Yeah. Give me plus money on that. Like, I know we're going into a tough road environment, but uh, I think the Lions are legit. I liked everything they did this offseason. I criticized the Jameer Gibbs thing because I didn't think they needed to take him that early. Now that the season's here, I'm ecstatic. We have a rookie star hybrid running back receiver to play with. So most importantly, though, like I was wrong when I criticized Dan Campbell's corniness. That's the big thing. And nobody heard me do it because I just said this to you like privately two years ago. But I just wasn't buying him as a shtick. I thought he was a shtick guy. I couldn't have been more wrong. He's not a shtick. He is like a heartbeat that this city has desperately needed and that this franchise has just straight up never had. So uh, everyone's bought in. I'm bought in. If they lose this game, I'm not devastated. I'll be like bombed because I think it's a big opportunity. But uh, if they lose this game, frankly, I think it could be better for their prospects as they turn around to week two. If they win this game, 
<laughs> you can't tell me shit. We've run the NFL. If we're one and all, we beat the Chiefs. Like, come on. They say you don't get the throne until you take the throne. We're taking the throne. If we march into Arrowhead, get a win on night one, only team with a victory, wake up on a Friday and nobody else has a victory but you and I. Oh God! Hey, God for God forbid we wake up one. God forbid we have an episode of Riley Fridays and we're one and zero. While Riley's team has Baker Mayfield at quarterback. My biggest fear, genuinely though, is that I don't have a Lions jersey of any player on this team yet. You got to make that move. I got a Panay Sewell jersey. Are you going to say you look like Panay Sewell? No. You kind of look like Panay Sewell. I just love Panay Sewell. <laughs> okay. That's I just can't. I thought based on our topic from yesterday, you could claim Panay Sewell if you wanted to. I guess you don't no, want to. No, not at all. But I'm glad we got that Lions topic off. It's going to be a real big game tonight. Uh, I will be at a very high or low spot tomorrow morning, depending on the outcome of that game. That's just is what it is. But we got to wrap up here. Uh, we have other other. Uh, Wait, I, I, I'm sorry. I have a quick question. Also, my heart stopped, disappeared. So we can spend three more minutes than we need to. But good <laughs> job on the efficiency of this episode. You did great. Uh, I have a quick question, though. If you if you could assign championships to teams of yours, I've seen this on Twitter before. Like you get to pick how many championships your any teams you want win. You get five to divvy up for the rest of your life. Where are those five championships going? Because you're, I feel like you're a Lions fan first and foremost. Yeah, one of them is going to the Lions just because of the pain. I one of them is going to the Lions. I get five of them. Only one. I would think if you get five, like three are going to Detroit. Like you want like a, you know, a three peat. <laughs> no, I would I would give two to Detroit, to the to, sorry to Detroit, two to the the Lions, one Michigan State football, one Michigan State basketball, one Pistons. Okay. Okay. I might take one from the Pistons and go three peat Detroit Lions. <laughs> say that'd be that'd be amazing. I just need one Lions Super Bowl in my life. I need one Lions Super Bowl. I need a Tigers World Series. Um, oddly, the one I care least about is Pistons, even though that's the team I probably am most passionate about. But like, I at least I know I've already seen that. You know? Yeah, that's true. We've seen so, one. So I would go. I would go two Michigan basketball, one Michigan State football. Although I prefer it happens when Mel's not here. I don't want him rewarded, honestly. That's crazy. I don't I don't like the guy, man. If I could go back in time to D'Antonio era and give Mark one, I would. I that would be my first if I could. Uh two Michigan basketball, one Michigan State football, one Lions, one Tigers. There we go. No Michigan State basketball? No. Oh, okay. Just wondering. No, uh, no Michigan football for the record either. For those counting at home, we're not a math podcast, but I know that there's a lot of people critiquing our math these days. Uh, also, if I like, if I could get up to a hundred titles, I'd give 95 to Carlos Alcaraz. I want to see him win every single championship, every major for the next 25 years. I want to go who, to Carlito. So, who holds the record for most majors in tennis? Uh, God, it's horrible. I don't know this immediately. I believe the answer is Novak. He overtook Federer and Nadal recently. Okay, and and that is that's probably and he had like probably what somewhere in the forties, thirties. Um, I don't know the exact number to be honest. Should we research that? Should we? Where, yeah, where's, can, can we get can we get that up real quick? Because that's in research department. Because Alcaraz probably I don't know I'm not sure how he had how many he has, but he definitely has more than those guys had probably at nineteen. Novak has twenty three major titles. Twenty three, which seems low, honestly. Federer has twenty. I think Nadal has 22. Yes. Yeah, so Novak just took it from Nadal. 
doesn't Carlos, Carlos doesn't Carlos already have like five? No, he has two, I believe. Oh, does he only have two? Uh, yeah, two major titles, U.S. Open and Wimbledon. Although we could see if he wins this U.S. Open, we could see like a flurry of Alcaraz just doesn't lose the U.S. Open for like 20 years. I also have a theory that uh, I think Carlos loves America. And <laughs> I think uh, like he's a pretty like happy-go-lucky guy. Like even when he loses, he's just pure happiness. But I saw a little spark in his eye last night after he beats Zverev and they were interviewing and they're like, you know, you you pretty much can't lose here right like you're and he kind of looked around for a second i think he saw a couple celebrities he might have saw one or two women sitting there in america and he had a little twinkle and he was like i really love it here (laughs) that's my guy carlitos uh but no he's gonna catch like he just he has 20 years he needs to win one major a year to catch novak over the rest so one of those semis so we get carlos and medvedev tomorrow night Carlos and Medvedev. I don't know when it is. Uh, DraftKings was lying to me. The women play tonight. I don't know if the men also play tonight. It was listed the same date, but that feels wrong to me. The women's final Saturday. I know that. And the men's is Sunday. Men are so. Friday afternoon. Women are tonight in prime right. time. Got that. So, okay. Yeah. okay. All right. Well, I'll have to tap into that. Um, but that's all the topics I got for today, G. Um, Great takeover part. Yeah, I, I try my best. It's not my not necessarily my game, but either you're shooting three pointers, but you can always catch me shooting them. Uh, move on to our one big thing presented by Big B today. Big B, um, it's what runs through me. Pause. Uh, Greg, what is your one big thing for today? Yeah, I just want to say you were a star in today's episode, Cart. Um, you know, you really carried the episode. We needed the topics. You came through. You were a total star, which is why today's one big thing is actually presented by Starbucks and not Big B. Big B, if you actually want to present one big thing presented by Big B, you need to present by Big B. You need to slide in the DMs. You need to actually support us because I see you liking the tweets. I see you liking the tweets when we actually clip something out and say this is our one big thing presented by Big B. I don't see you actually backing that up with any action. I don't see any sort of financial ramifications, some Lord, you give, you take type thing. This is a 100% take relationship. And don't think, Bigby, don't think for one second that we can't make one big thing presented by someone that's not Bigby, even though one big thing presented by Bigby is currently presented by Bigby. So today's one big thing presented by Starbucks, presented by Bigby, is that it's my mom's birthday. And it's Kylie's birthday? Yeah, it's my mom's birthday. I want to give her a shout out. Uh, hey. Can I get sentimental for a moment? Can I get quick sentimental? Yeah, please. So uh, I love my mom, first of all, A plus job. If anybody asked, raising me, A plus job. Uh, she, uh, they recently moved to Kalamazoo and uh, it's it's weird. Like it was like such a sacrifice from them that I really haven't been able to fully process it mentally or emotionally. They've lived in Lansing my mom's whole life. She's never lived outside of the city of Lansing. My dad moved to Lansing when uh, they started dating and they've lived there for 30 plus years. I grew up in Lansing the whole time, went to college in East Lansing. It's like, that's always been home base. And then I moved away, came to Kalamazoo. It's not like that's far. It's an hour, 15 minutes, but that's what our last decade has been. It's been, I'm in Kalamazoo, they're in Lansing. And, um, you know, my mom is sort of like the, the foundation of her side of the family. I would say like, she's the home base. Anytime we had to get together, it was at my parents' house. My mom played host. And uh, she's done a really good job of making sure everybody stays together, even though she's got siblings all over the country. And uh, I like we we made it known after Murphy got here, our baby, that like we wanted them to have a really active role in her life and we wanted them to watch her as much as they could. And for the first couple of days, it was kind of like, well, can we like meet up halfway to like 
like take her and all this stuff. And we were like, logistically, no, like, I don't know that we can make that work. And then all of a sudden, like they were looking for houses and didn't even tell us in Kalamazoo and then finally tell us they bought a house. So uh, one of the most like unselfish things they could have done. I never expected it. And our daughter loves it. She already like giggles anytime she sees my mom now, which is like the most precious thing ever. So I am feeling supremely thankful and supremely appreciative of my mother and my parents in general on this birthday, her 61st birthday. Connie Waddell, you've always been my biggest supporter. I love you. And uh, I look forward to seeing you tonight, Connie. Happy birthday. Cheers to Connie, man. One beautiful, beautiful lady. I love Connie. Like the, the epitome of sweet baby angel. You can't, you just, you, you just want to wrap her up and just hug her all the time. Also, for 61, doesn't look a day over 24. Okay, good shit, Connie. Keep it up. All right. Watch it. Um, uh, my one big thing for today, <laughs> I, I feel like our one big things always contrast somewhat. Um, but here's my one big thing. <clears throat> Forward down the field, Alliance team that will not yield. And when the blue and silver wave, stand and cheer the brave. Where's, the, where's my rah rah rah, Greg? I what what am I supposed to do? I that will not yield. Rah, rah, rah. And I just messed up the song. I don't care. Rah, rah, Damn it. Rah. I really meant to put on a show right there. Down the field and gain a lion's victory. Go. Your mic just cut out during whatever that last yell was. So, um, uh, yeah, sorry I missed the rah-rahs. I was too busy betting Chiefs minus four and a half after hearing that. That was horrible. I'm sorry. All right, then. Yeah, I'm sorry. It's, we might as well accept it. We're the Lions. This isn't. Well, this I wanted to, well, I did it for the good of the channel because if I played it off my phone, I think our video might have got taken down. Mm, you're right. You're right. And the world needed to hear you singing a historic fight song of a losing organization. I'm a little rusty. I usually know that by heart. All right. Go Lions. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow, hopefully on a Riley. I think, is it Riley Friday? Is it confirmed Riley Friday? I, I, I don't know. All he did was text us yesterday that Ratchet, Ratchet Happy Birthday is a bop. Speaking of happy birthdays, happy birthday, Riley Davis. We could have yeah. a Riley. We could have a victory Friday, Riley Friday. Happy birthday, Riley. Episode. Bluffs Friday. As some as some refer to it. Have a great Thursday, everybody. Enjoy Thursday night football. Uh I love you, mom. Goodbye. <laughs>